Hello, grace and peace. I'm Pastor Dan Peterson of Queen Anne Lutheran Church. Our church is closing down its building at least until April 5th, the end of the season of Lent, for everyone's safety. In the meantime, you might be wondering, what do we do about worship? Beginning mid-March, we will be offering Word Out, a truncated version of our regular worship service online. By listening to Word Out, you will hear the apostolic greeting, the gospel reading, a brief homily, the hymn of the day, prayers of the church, and a closing blessing. This mini-service will be available here each week. We encourage you to listen to Word Out on Sunday morning during Lent or whenever your schedule allows. Thanks. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. 
When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It seems pretty harmless. Jesus, leaving Judea to avoid the opposition of the Pharisees, takes the shortest route back to Galilee through Samaria. Tired from his journey, he sits by a well in the Samaritan city of Sychar. A Samaritan woman comes to draw water. Jesus asks her for a drink. They exchange just a few words, yet by the end of their brief conversation, it becomes clear that Jesus has violated not one, not two, but at least three boundaries. Three boundaries. See if you can guess what they are. As you do, remember the basic elements of the story. Jesus, a Jewish man, is talking with a Samaritan woman who lives with someone out of wedlock and who before that was divorced five times. Jesus' boundary crossing begins several verses prior to our reading. There, Jesus decides to leave Judea to avoid the opposition of the Pharisees and return to Galilee. To get to Galilee, however, he has to cross the boundary between Judea and Samaria, according to verse 4. Now, Samaria was inhabited by remnants of the northern tribes of ancient Israel, who worshiped the Lord God and used the Pentateuch, 
that is, the first five books of the Bible, like the Jews did. Yet in spite of these similarities, these parallels, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They regarded them as, quote, half-breeds, sons and daughters, as Ezra and Nehemiah put it, of men who mingled with foreign wives. They also rejected the validity of their religious observances, as verse 9 of the Gospel reading confirms. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. So when Jesus, a Jew, speaks to a Samaritan, he clearly violates a boundary that divides many of us even today. He transgresses the boundary of ethnicity, and the response of the Samaritans is, well, unexpected to say the least. They show him hospitality. They ask him to stay with them, and many of them come to believe. So if you guessed ethnicity or race as a boundary Jesus crosses in speaking with a Samaritan, you are one for one. Jesus, secondly, transgresses the boundary of gender. This is evident in the reaction of the disciples when they discover the company Jesus keeps by the well. Just then, we read in verse 27, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. Their astonishment, of course, is based on the fact that they lived in a patriarchal culture. Women were second-class citizens. The woman in this story, accordingly, doesn't even have a name. Yet it is this woman whose testimony and faith-sharing will make her, in Christian terms, an apostle. That is, someone who is sent forth to deliver good news. But you don't have to take it from me. As John Chrysostom, a bishop and theologian writing in the fourth century, puts it, this woman, nameless to posterity, displays nevertheless, quote, the actions of an apostle, preaching the gospel to everyone she could and calling them to Jesus. She even drew a whole city to hear him, end quote. So if you guessed gender as a boundary Jesus crosses in speaking with the woman at the well, you are, if you got question one right, two for two. We have now seen how Jesus crosses two boundaries in speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well, gender and ethnicity. I believe, however, he transgresses also a third, can you guess what it is? Think about the kind of woman people perceived the woman at the well to be. Not only has she been divorced five times, she is also, by her own admission, cohabitating. That makes her, according to the standards of the day, a woman of ill repute. Her relationship history, however, is not the only clue we have regarding her status. The story tells us that Jesus, after a long journey, was sitting by the well at a particular time of day. Do you remember what time of day that was? Noon. High noon. The hottest time of the day. People of status don't go to the well at high noon because of the heat. 
Only people of lesser status go at this time, which is why Jesus meets this particular woman at the well. The third boundary Jesus breaks is accordingly a socio-religious one. He keeps the company of sinners, people of low regard, outcasts, pariahs, leaving the disciples virtually speechless and leaving us with a clear mandate as followers of the way to go and do likewise. So there you have it, a triple transgression. In merely speaking with the woman at the well, Jesus violates boundaries of race, gender, and social class. But it's not simply Jesus who crosses these boundaries. And here is the good news. It's God. In verse 25, the woman at the well speaks of the Messiah. When he comes, she says, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus replies by saying, according to our translation, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Here's what's fascinating. In the original language of the New Testament, Greek, guess what's missing in the phrase, I am he? The answer is he. The accurate translation goes like this. Jesus said to her, I am the one who is speaking to you. I am. The name of God, according to Genesis, rather Exodus 3.14, the one who crosses all kinds of boundaries to be present to us, the one who is specially present to this woman, a woman on the margins, a woman of ill repute, a woman ostracized because of gender, race, and social class. We bear the presence, knowingly or not, of this very same God whenever we reach out, as Jesus did, to people on the margins, to the least of these, as he says in Matthew 25. The outbreak of the coronavirus, of course, makes this difficult. It is good and right that we should take every precaution necessary to stop the spread of this virus, a point I made last week when sharing Martin Luther's response to a plague that swept across Germany and through his tiny town of Wittenberg. Safety is first. Yet we are also the hands and feet of Christ, as the mystic Teresa of Avila puts it. So what can we do? Here, finally, I have to confess, I don't yet know. It's one thing to care for our own. We're calling members and friends of the congregation, for example, to make sure they are okay. It's another to reach out to those like the woman who live on the margins, men, women, and children, who will be most affected by this virus. How do we reach them? What boundaries do we need to cross? Let us pray here for wisdom so that we can be open to creative possibilities without putting ourselves unnecessarily at risk. It seems pretty harmless. Jesus leaving Judea to avoid the opposition of the Pharisees takes the shortest route back to Galilee through Samaria. Tired from his journey, he sits by a well in the Samaritan city of Sychar. A Samaritan woman comes to draw water, 
and Jesus asks her for a drink. By the end of the encounter, he will have transgressed a gender boundary, an ethnic boundary, and a social boundary. We, the body of Christ in this world, are invited to do the same. Amen. With our hearts turned to God, who is gracious and merciful, we pray for the Church, the world, and all who are in need. God of living water, send your Church beyond boundaries to proclaim your grace. May its witness be a source of refreshment for thirsty souls. Strengthen our voices, that all people can know and believe that Jesus is truly the Savior of the world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of living water, 
protect from pollution or misuse of rivers, lakes, oceans, and streams, including all of those around Puget Sound. Bless the work of those who dig wells and those who advocate for access to clean water, that all people and animals have enough to drink. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of living water, open the hearts of leaders and authorities, that they hear the cries of the suffering and act with compassion towards them. Keep them especially mindful of the vulnerable during the outbreak of the coronavirus. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of living water, mend the hearts of those who grieve broken relationships, whether by conflict, abuse, divorce, or death. Draw near to all who are ill and be with all of us, whether due to precaution or infirmity, who must remain homebound for at least the few weeks, if not months ahead. Assure those questioning your presence in the midst of doubt or suffering. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of living water, renew us in the promise of baptism. Join us together in worship, fellowship, and sharing your good news. Embolden us to serve others and to work for justice and peace. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For who or what else do the people of God, listening today to this service, pray? We invite you to do so verbally or in silence. God of living water, we thank you for those who endured suffering and who now boast in the glory of God. Pour your Holy Spirit into our hearts and give us peace as we live in the hope of our salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. According to your steadfast love, O God, hear these and all our prayers as we commend them to you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks. Thanks.